Good morning. Good morning. No. Good morning, Bridge family. Good morning. Much better. Much better. Thank you. Well, welcome to the Bridge. I am Cassie. Um, I'm not a pastor here, but they gave me a mic anyway. Um, I'm actually the director of operations here, and um, we kind of agreed that it was a good idea to have a mom speak on Mother's Day. And, you know, we were going to have Joey do it, but he didn't fit into any Amy's clothes, and it was just a whole awkward, awkward thing. So I want to take a minute at the very beginning and say no matter what kind of mom you are, if you are a stepmom, a biological mom, adoptive mom, foster mom, moms of dogs, cats, hamsters, whatever, you are a very special person in this room today. And I want to take a second to thank you for all that you do. So everybody join me. Thank you, moms. Okay, so we have the... Bible app that has our outline on it. You can go to the Bible app, hit event and Goldsboro. We also have the manuscripts available at info at bridgechurch.cc. You can ask for mine, which will be pretty messy. Just wait. Um, or you can ask for the other campuses just to get a different message. Um, but that's up there for you. And if you want to post anything to social media, the hashtag dysfunctional family would be awesome. So we are talking about families today, kind of on the backside of Mother's Day. Obviously, families are a big part of being a mom, no matter what kind of mom you are. Um, and there are many different types of families. So when I was trying to figure out exactly what to say while I was up here, I thought that I would give you a little taste of our family so that we can get to know each other better. And so you can kind of understand the perspective that I'm coming from. So my husband and I, Luke, obviously, there's two of us, um, we have a blended family. That's us. That's also him down there. Um, so that's us a couple of years ago, because we're not good with pictures. You'll see in a minute. So the, and then we also have a 16-year-old Jacob. Love his purple hat. He's going to hate me for that one. Uh, and then we have a 12-year-old, just turned 12, Hannah. Pray for us. Because preteens, preteen girls, yes, the worst. I love her to pieces. And then Abigail is our 10-year-old, just turned 10. Um, their birthdays are seven days apart, just because God has a sense of humor. <laughs> and then Matthew is our four-year-old. That is absolutely his personality to a T. It's just him. And that's at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then that's Isabel, our princess, who you can tell is a princess just by her stance alone. So that's our family. Um, we, whew, we have been on a long road. We are on a long road to continue. Um, we have a blended family, like I said, so it's kind of complicated. I want to give you just a brief synopsis of what goes on in our family, how it works. So, of course, you have Luke and I, parents, and then Luke's three kids, Jake, Hannah, and Abby. And let me preface all of this by saying it doesn't matter whose kids they are. We love them all 110%. So... Don't feel like I'm getting off in that direction. Matthew, who is my son from a previous marriage. Isabel, who is our daughter. So hers, his, hers, mine, ours, all of them. We got them all. And then our older kids have another family at their other house. So they have five kids in that home as well. Pray for them too. And then Matthew has um, his dad's house. And then he has another brother over there. 
So that's the basic bottom layer of our family, and you thought your families were complicated. Can you imagine trying to plan anything, do anything, or heaven forbid Christmas? Christmas is a nightmare. You don't even want to know. So we don't have time to go into all the, di the different details of our family, but that's just a brief overview so you can kind of see where I'm coming from. We do, however, have time to look in the Bible to see if we can find any functional families. I am certain that there will be good examples of functional families in the Bible. All right, so first we're going to go to Genesis 3.6, and you can read along if you'd like. I'm just going to give you an overview. This is the story as I imagined it. So don't write it down word for word because it's not going to be perfect. Um, just kind of go with me here. I'd rather tell a story than read the Bible verse. So Genesis 3.6, we have Adam and Eve, first people ever made. They have the glorious gift of the Garden of Eden, this perfect, amazing place that God has given them to do whatever they want in, whatever they want. So here's how I imagine this day going. They go out into the garden. Adam and Eve are walking around. Eve's like, that bush, I think it needs to go over there. And I think that we could buy a little pretty fence to go around it, Adam, don't you think? And maybe a hummingbird feeder so we can sit down in our little comfy chairs, which I also need you to buy. Comfy chairs with pillows and watch the hummingbirds by this bush. And maybe we can get God to put some pretty purple and pink flowers all around it. Beautiful. Make a list, honey, because you're going to Lowe's after this. Pay attention. <laughs> and in comes the serpent. Gotta love him. And he convinces Adam and Eve. I said Adam and Eve. It was not just Eve. Women, can I get an amen? <laughs> Thank you. All right. It was Adam and Eve. And he convinces them to eat from the one tree, the fruit from the one tree that they're not supposed to touch. They literally had one job, one, and they screwed it up. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Now we're no longer in the Garden of Eden. So fast forward a little bit further, and Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Some of you are familiar. If not, I'm going to give you, again, the brief overview according to Cassie, so don't quote me. So Cain and Abel, interesting brotherly relationship, but Cain says, hey, bro, let's go out into this field over here. There might be some, I don't know, flowers we can pick for mom. Let's pretend it's Mother's Day. Flowers we can pick for mom for Mother's Day. And he goes out into the field and kills his brother. Not exactly a standard of how we want to define functional families. All right, so let's move on to another story. But Abraham and Sarah. So these people are all kinds of old. I don't even know how to tell you how old they are. They're just super old. So Sarah is ticked off. That's one of the words I can say on stage, right? Sarah's ticked off. She says, you know what? I'm done trusting God to give us a kid because he said a long time ago we were going to get a kid and we still haven't gotten a kid and now I'm bajillion years old and we still don't have kids. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Never happened to any of us other women, huh? Never said, God doesn't have this. I'm going to take care of this all on my own. So she says, I'm done. I'm not waiting. Abraham, I want you to sleep with our maid. And I'm sure he was like, 
huh? You want me to, are you sure? And she said, yeah, go for it. I want a kid, make it happen. And he did. Don't ever do that. No matter what your wife says, no. You heard it here first, no. So obviously they're not the greatest example of a functional family. They're so far past dysfunctional, it's not even, not even worth mentioning. So then let's jump ahead to the New Testament. Jesus, man, Jesus was perfect, right? Jesus had to have the perfect family. He was perfect, never sinned. He's got to be the one definition of functional family that we can find in the Bible. So let's look at Matthew 1.18. So Mary was already engaged to Joseph. And then God chose her to birth Jesus. Now we're a step family. But that's a pretty crazy step family right there. Could you imagine poor Joseph, the stepdad to Jesus? I know we have troubles getting our kids to do things. Could you imagine? He could be like, hey, I don't have to listen to you. You're not my dad. He would literally be correct. So all fun aside, there aren't a lot of functional examples in the Bible of how to do families, how to do it well. We have God's word, but there's no perfect family in the Bible. And there's no perfect family out here either. Does anybody feel, and please be completely honest, does anybody feel like their family is completely functional without dysfunction? Please raise your hand. That's what I thought. All right, then let's dive in. Okay? I was going to tell everybody who thought they had a functional family to just leave because they don't need to hear any of this. But I know that that's not the case because we are all imperfect people in imperfect families. So I want to take a moment to lead you through a morning in the life of our family because we are the epitome of dysfunctional. And we're okay with it. Just to give you an idea of how our family goes in the morning. School morning, let me just add that in. Weekend mornings are a lot easier. So at 6.30 in the morning, my alarm goes off, and it's a very tranquil sounding, little babbling brook, happy noise that just brings me right out of a solid slumber and wakes me up with joy and happiness. And I get out of bed with a huge smile on my face because I am such a morning person. <laughs> and I go into the kitchen where I can smell the coffee because I remembered to start set the coffee pot the night before. I make myself a cup of coffee and I take my journal and my Bible and my coffee to my favorite, favorite comfy chair. And I sit for 30 uninterrupted minutes and do my devotional and my quiet time with God and just bask in the glory of another day. And my kids, they're very respectful and considerate of that time. And they stay in their rooms and get themselves dressed and don't come out until I'm done. And then they make themselves breakfast and they pack their lunches with fruits and vegetables and then they put it in their backpacks 
and we all give hugs and kisses and get in the van, and we do a developmentally and age-appropriate Bible study on the way to school, and everybody gets there in the perfect time with smiles on their faces. And then my alarm really goes off. <laughs> and I have to get up. But I'm not a morning person. So I hit snooze three times, at least. 7 AM, when the third snooze goes off, I start to panic because now I actually have to get out of bed and get all of these people ready to go for their day with very little time because I have hit snooze three times. So I get up. And I wake up the first kid because she takes forever to get ready. She's not a morning person either. And I tell her, hey, it's time to get up, Hannah. So I go into the kitchen where I should have coffee, should have been ready for me in the morning. But I realized that I forgot to turn the coffee pot on because it happens. So I turn the coffee pot on. I'll have coffee soon. No worries. I go back in to wake Hannah up again because she's still in bed, this time with her head under the covers, which is clearly effective. Tell her to get back up again. Take both the dogs outside because the kids are the ones that wanted dogs, but clearly I'm the one that gets to walk them and feed them and everything in the morning. Bring them back inside. Go back for a third time to wake Hannah up because she's still not out of bed. And I do it with just all the joy that I have. So I go back into the kitchen to have my cup of coffee. There's no coffee. There's no power to that entire side of the kitchen. How do you blow a breaker at 7 o'clock in the morning? So I go and fix the breaker, and I go back, and I stand in front of the coffee pot, and we have a heart-to-heart. And I make sure that that coffee pot is actually brewing coffee before I walk away, because I'm not going to make it through this morning. Go back into Hannah's room, wake her up again. It's only the fourth time. Go upstairs and wake up the other three younger kids. The two girls are not getting out of bed unless I pick them up, and they are not light. Thankfully, Matthew is up and dressed and ready to go in his bathing suit. (laughs) No, honey, you can't wear your bathing suit to school. But mom, honey, I want to go swimming after school. Not right now. Whole argument ensues. I have to walk out of the room because I just, the kid's in his bathing suit. I don't know. Going to wake up the girls again. Isabel has heard the whole commotion. Now she would like to wear her bathing suit to school. So we get to go through all of that all over again. I'm not going to finish because it would take me forever to get through our mornings. So I was just so frustrated with these mornings. I couldn't do it anymore. I had had enough. I was done. These kids were driving me bonkers. I couldn't take it. So I called in reinforcements. I prayed. I said, God, you got to help me. These kids are going to drive me insane. I've got to do something. We need more hours in the day. Please make us all morning people. Put us to bed earlier. Like, turn the lights off, turn the power off, because that's the only way we're going to bed before 11 o'clock. Make us go to bed earlier. Give us more time in the day so that we can have a better morning. So the next morning, I wake up at 6.15 before my alarm goes off, 15 minutes before my alarm goes off. I am not amused. 6.15 is a terrible time in the morning, just if you didn't know already. So I try to go back to sleep, but I can't go back to sleep. I was like, fine, if I'm already up, let me go ahead and get up and get moving and get everybody else going. And a miraculous thing happened that morning. 
everything went a lot smoother. So I'm thinking, huge fluke in the system. This is just one day. Whatever the opposite of a full moon is, you know, when kids go crazy on a full moon, it's the opposite of that because they're finally doing what they're supposed to be doing and getting their stuff done in the morning. And we all got to work in school on time. It's amazing. So the next morning, I wake up at 6.15 again. I was like, this is not cool. This is not going to work on a regular basis. So I just figured I couldn't go back to sleep. I'd get back up, do the same thing all over again. And again, the morning went remarkably well. The whole rest of the week was like that. I got up at 6.15 against my better judgment, and everything went a lot smoother. And so I figured that God has a sense of humor, that he thinks that my getting up at 6.15 is going to be what changes the morning routine. And you know what? He's right. Because I didn't sleep for that extra 15 minutes and I got myself up and got the kids up just a little bit earlier, everything went so much smoother. So sometimes what we have to remember is that God wants to work in us to change the difficult situations in our lives. As obnoxious as that is. Because sometimes I'd rather it just be on somebody else to have that responsibility. So yeah, those are my crazy, crazy mornings, but they've been made so much better by that 15 minutes that it just astonishes me every morning. And if I get up at 6.30, everything's out of whack again. So I think he does that on purpose. He's like, I'm gonna give her one morning, about three months down the road, where she's gonna wake up at 6.30 and everything's gonna be crazy like it was before. And then she's gonna remember that my advice is the best advice and she's gonna get up at 6.15 instead. Again, his sense of humor, it's not fun. So I wanna challenge women in this room. Pastor Jim told me when I was putting all this together, he said on Mother's Day, we honor women, and on Father's Day, we challenge fathers. The good part is I'm female, so I can challenge all of the women in here without getting tomatoes or something thrown at me because I am one and I know how it goes. So my first challenge to you is going to be that you are a very significant part of your household. No matter what kind of household it is, it doesn't matter. You are a significant part of your household and what you do matters. How you respond to things matters. How you behave matters your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your church family, they all see it, and what you do matters. So my first point is that we have an important role to play in the lives of our families. You are significant. No matter to what scale you think you are, you matter, okay? When I'm having a bad day, my people have a bad day. That's what I'm gonna call our family from this point forward, my people. All my people. Um, they have a bad day. When I go into work and I haven't had coffee and I'm having a bad morning, my behavior affects those around me. And their behavior affects those around them. And it's a domino effect. So that first bit of joy has to start with us. We are responsible for how our families feel 
their overall well-being. That's on us. It's going to get a little heavy. You're going to have a little work to do when you leave here. My apologies, but it's worth it because it matters. So we can look in Proverbs 6, 20 through 21. Son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. It matters what you say to your kids and your husband, your spouse, whatever. It matters. That voice that you use with them is the voice that they will hear inside of them. So when they're having a bad day, they'll respond the same way you're having a bad day. I've noticed that with my two younger kids. I am not the most joyful person on a regular basis. Just going to throw that out there. Not just morning time, sometimes through the rest of the day too. But when my kids respond other than joyfully, I get upset with them. Like, why are you responding that way? Why are you yelling? Why are you being negative? Why are you being stressed? Well, gee, I wonder why, mom. Probably because the example that you've shown is that this is how we handle stress. So it matters what you do, what you say, it matters. The second point is that God loves us and he extends us an unlimited amount of grace. Every day, all day, twice on Tuesday. Because Tuesday is a terrible day. Remember that God gives you grace. God gives us grace. God gives our people grace. So if we don't give our people grace, but God gives our people grace, we're falling a little short there. Everybody in this room gets an unlimited amount of grace, free of charge. Use it. And let your kids see that you use it. Let your spouses see that you use it. Let your workplace, your church family, everybody see that you use it. When somebody makes a mistake, don't jump all over them. You just made that same mistake two weeks ago. They did it a little bit differently, and this time it, it upset you. Give them grace. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, we can see that, but because of his great love for us, great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that we have been saved, that all of our people have been saved. Do not forget your healthy amount, your healthy dose of grace each day. My third point, if you want a situation to change, give it to God and let him work in you. I could tell you all day long all of the different things that are wrong with all of the people in my life. I'm a psychologist, it kind of happens that way. It's like I take an inventory on a regular basis. Well, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and he did that wrong, and she did that wrong, and I would have handled that completely differently. It's not about changing other people. It's about changing us. God wants to change you. He'll work on your people. That's his job. You don't have that control. And we need to stop exercising it like we do have that control. I tell Luke all the time, our kids have very unique personalities, similar to us, but unique all themselves. 
And sometimes it frustrates me to no end the way that they do things. Like, oh my goodness, it does not take 20 minutes to put your shoes on. I don't understand. It takes like 30 seconds to put shoes on. But they do it their own way. They get it done most of the time. Most of the time it's buckled well. But God wants to work in us. Okay. He's going to do all of that other stuff. He's going to take care of all of that other stuff. But the first change has to come from us. Because, again, we are very responsible for what happens in our households. Not just moms. We are very responsible for that and for how our kids respond to things and for how they're going to grow up to be adults. I'll tell you, one of the things about having a blended family is Man, it's a struggle every day. The things that you might have control of in a nuclear family, like just for an example, what activities your kids participate in, we don't have that control. That decision comes from another household. So can you, if you can imagine five kids, even if they only have one activity apiece, do you imagine how our weeks go? At least two practices for every sport, twice a week. A game on the weekends, a game on a Thursday night, of all nights, don't they know that the bridge has church on Thursday? You would think they wouldn't schedule games that night. Even Sundays, they do baseball, softball tournaments on Sundays. But we don't have control over any of that. So we have to take everything with a grain of salt and a lot of grace and a lot of love and move forward. It is an ongoing struggle every day. I'll tell you what, an example I didn't share on Thursday because it just happened yesterday, so you guys are privileged. You get extended information. I got a call yesterday while I was at the grocery store with Isabel from my ex. Matthew was with him this weekend. He's back today because it's Mother's Day, and that's how that works. Um, so he calls me, and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that this morning we were in a car accident. Deep breath. Okay, is everybody okay? I'm really more concerned about Matthew. In the back of my head, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but is everything okay? Is everybody okay? Are you guys, what's going on? Well, it was on the opposite side of Matthew. Thank God. Although, still concerned about everybody else in the car. He's fine, didn't have a bump on his head. It was hard enough that the airbags deployed. So you know as a mom, that's like heart-wrenching stress me out. If I were there, I would be stressed, but I wasn't, and I couldn't be there. So he tells me the whole story. He's like, this is what happened. You know, it was the other person's fault. Everybody's fine. We went through the EMS. We went through the fire department. They checked everybody out. Everybody is okay. Fantastic. I'm so glad you called. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it. I'll see you guys in the morning. And then I called Luke. And I said, I'm breathing. But I told him the whole story. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I'm okay. I wasn't there. I couldn't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it now. That control was taken away from me. And again, when I say that God has a sense of humor, he also does it for our good. Because I am a huge control freak. Huge. I mean, just 
If you've been to my house, you know. Huge control freak. I could have lost my mind yesterday. I could have worried all day long until I saw him at 9 o'clock this morning. I could have stressed about it. I could have ruined our day yesterday. But I didn't. Because God gave me that peace. I had to ask for it because I was not ready. I was not ready to deal with that. But he gives us those situations to test our patience, to test the grace that we have for other people. Because in that situation, I would have done exactly the same thing. The fire department would have been there. EMS would have been there. They would have checked him out. They would have made sure that he was perfectly okay before I left the scene, which is exactly what his dad did. But I wasn't there. And so my need for control popped up just a little bit. Just a touch. And then I let it go and let God have the situation. As my husband annoyingly reminds me on a regular basis, the kids are not our kids. They're all our kids in some way, shape, or form, but they're God's kids. And God's going to take care of them when I can't be there, when Luke can't be there, when they're who knows where, doing who knows what, God will take care of them. He really, really will. And so let's look at Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. Who is thankful for that? Right? Because I can't do any of that on my own. Not without God. Strong support system, good family, great friends, but not without God. So I have another gift that I'm going to give you today, but it comes with work. Aren't you guys glad you came? So much work. I'm going to give you the gift of peace. And I'm going to tell you how to get there. But like I said, it's going to take work. Okay? I broke peace down into, uh, what's that called? It's not an acronym. It's something. Yeah, acronym. Okay, fine. It's an acronym. There are words that go along with each, with each one of the letters, and we're going to go through it. So for P, I decided pray. First and foremost, before you do anything else, pray. Before you respond to something in anger, in stress, pray. Ongoing conversations with God all day long. I mean, you can talk out loud to him if you want to. People might look at you funny. Don't worry about it. Or in your head. Just go through it. Talk with him. Say, hey, this is going to be a rough day. I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but I know you've got me. I know you've got me covered. Every day, all day, he has you covered, and he wants to hear from you. He wants that relationship, that ongoing relationship with you. And you get that through prayer, and you get the peace and the joy through prayer because it's not coming any other way in this society. There's too much going on, too many too many ways to compare yourself to other people, too many stresses in life to get that peace on your own. It just doesn't happen that way. So for the first E, I want us to exercise our right to joy. It is very easy to get caught up in 
everything else that's going on. Like I just said, comparisons. Who has looked on Facebook and been like, man, they are the perfect family. They seem to get along so well. They agree on everything. Look, they were able to take all four of their kids out to a restaurant, which if you've ever tried to do, just don't. Just wait until they're 18 and take them out for dinner then. Because, oh my goodness. But who has ever said, look at them. They're all sitting down at Logan's having lunch and they took this gorgeous group picture and they must love each other so much and get along so well. Do you know how many times it took them to take that picture? Like 47. They have 47 other pictures on their phone. And that was the one where everybody was looking at the camera, everybody kind of had a smile on their face. It's not really like that. Again, have you ever tried to take children out to eat, out at a restaurant? I want this, and then they don't eat it. Well, that doesn't look like the menu. So, eat it, it tastes the same. No. This has crumbs on the top of it. <laughs> all right, you're all getting water from now on. That's it. Bread and water. That's it. But don't forget to be joyful. Okay? Forget all of that stuff. Forget the 47 pictures that it took to get to that one picture. Be joyful. Put all that stuff aside and let joy fill your heart. Instead of comparison, instead of stress, instead of anger, let joy fill your heart. Your people will see that. So for A, we're going to accept help from this point forward. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a very strong, independent person, and I try very hard not to ask for help. But it is one of the dumbest things that I do. <laughs> Just completely honest, truthful, transparent. I do not ask for help, and I should, because my people are a lot better at some stuff than I am. I have my gifts and my talents, but they have their gifts and their talents. I can't do it all by myself. You can't do it all by yourself. You have to have people, okay? You're not an island. You can't live completely by yourself some days. I dream of that island. <sighs> Just the beach the water, no people, no people, no cell phones, no computers, no work, just people, no people. <laughs> I don't even want my people to come with me, no people. But I have to accept help. I have to make the effort to let people into my life. One of the greatest joys that Luke and I have is to have a life group, to be a part of a life group. You guys will know half of you are in our life group which I get in trouble for, keep inviting people to our life group. <laughs> but I want people to have family. A lot of military people are here. We're not from here. You can tell I don't have the accent. We're not from here. And so we don't have our family around us. Not just military, but people that are here for other reasons. We don't have our people around us. We made our people. We brought them in and said, you guys are stuck with us forever. You can never leave, you can never PCS. I don't wanna hear it. I'll, let me talk to your supervisor, you're not going anywhere. We need our people every day. I know I text my people at least once or twice or 10 times a day to say, hey, I'm having a rough day, how about you? Thank goodness I'm not alone. 
And how do I deal with this preteen behavior? Because I need advice. <laughs> Keep your people around you. Join a life group, men's, women's, family life group. Do it. Go see Joey. He'll set you up. Join a life group. Do not do it on your own. You can't. It'll be terrible and joyless. Okay. <laughs> For C, we need to create an environment of love and grace for your people, in your home, in your workplace, in your church. Love and grace. Respond to what they do. Take a deep breath. Think it through. Respond in love and grace because that's how God responds to us. We have, may have been far from him. We may be in our own place, doing our own thing, forget God, not going to have anything to do with him. But when you come back, love and grace, that's exactly what he gives you. He doesn't say, well, forget you. You've been gone for a while. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. No. You're his child. And he will respond to you every time with love and grace. So our people deserve the same. And if you need a minute, step back and take a minute because love and grace doesn't come naturally. Give them love and grace, no matter what the situation. They need it. We need it. If you need it, your people need it. Love and grace. And the final one, E, engage with your people. <laughs> he gave me a hard time about that last night. So don't worry, all these words come back on me. Just don't feel like I'm targeting you guys. So engage with your people. Facebook will be there later. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever's going on, all of that will be there later. Your people need you right now. Do it after they go to bed. It's fine. Give your spouse some time too. But do that after they go to bed, okay? Matthew, whew, man, I love that kid to all the pieces in the world. But he is on fire. He is a four-year-old with his brain just moves like that all the time. He's constantly asking questions. He's constantly asking for attention. He's constantly, constantly, constantly. And he will say the same thing over and over and over again until I have to hide in the closet and lock the door. I just need two minutes apiece, kid, just two minutes. Deep breath. But what I have found is that if I give him my full and undivided attention, one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, eyeball to eyeball, down on his level, he'll only say it once. Because he's gotten my attention, he said what he wants to say, and now he can move on and ask me the next question. Engage with your people, all of them, even the teenagers. Our teenager sits in a chair in the corner of our living room on his phone Reading a book, probably. Don't want to know what he's doing. Just sitting there, not talking to anybody, not engaging with anybody, not at all. But we still engage with him, whether he likes it or not. Because you know what? He's stuck with us, like we're stuck with him. And he appreciates that even when he doesn't show it. And later when he's a parent, He's going to be like, man, you guys drove me nuts talking to me when I was younger. But I get it. I get it because you want to engage your people. Doesn't matter their age, engage your people.
So my last challenge, I told you, I came up with the challenges today. I'm not letting anybody off the hook. So my last challenge is for everybody. Today is Mother's Day. Mothers should be loved on every day, not just one day. But today is the day that's made special by somebody that decided today was the day on the calendar we were going to do it. But every day, you need to show your appreciation for the people in your life, not just moms. Dads do a great job. Grandmas, grandpas, family, friends, all of them. So what I want to challenge you to do is to love the people in your life the way they need to be loved, okay? My poor husband, I'm gonna pick on him this morning. He has been loving on me all morning. And while I appreciate it, we have different love languages, okay? My love language is not physical touch. I am just not, you guys know, I'm not a huggy person. I'll do it if it's what you need because it's your love language, but I don't want hugs. Like 10 people are going to come up and hug me after this, I know it. <laughs> just out of spite. Um, but no, his love language is physical touch, which is great. And so I'm preparing myself for being up on stage in front of everybody, and I'm like mentally breathing, and I'm working through it. He comes up and gives me a hug. <laughs> Thank you. Please stop. <laughs> and again, not that I don't love the attention and the affection, but I'm mentally preparing myself for something. So I need space. I need, I need time. I just need. And then he comes up two minutes later and gives me a kiss on the cheek in the middle of preparing my brain just now I gotta start all over so our love languages are different and that's the point that I want to get across to you this morning you need to love people in the way that they need to be loved so yes I have to give him a hug every once in a while because his love language is physical touch so the lo five love languages and feel free to google this there's also a place online where you can take the test and find out what your love languages are and also have your kids take the test because it matters to them what their love languages are and that you love them in that way, okay? The first one is words of affirmation. This is one of mine. Don't abuse this when I get down off of the stage, but I love words of affirmation. Good job, thank you for doing what you did, I appreciate how you remembered X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Words of affirmation are important, even if they just did the dishes. Thank you so much for doing the dishes. That means I don't have to do them. That's wonderful, okay? Words of affirmation are super important, especially for kids, because again, that inner voice is you and what you talk to them about and how you speak to them. So words of affirmation are huge. Acts of service is also one of my favorites. Yes, you can do the dishes for me, absolutely. I won't complain. You can do the 12 loads of laundry that are sitting in there on the washing machine that I don't wanna do. I don't know why they go through so many clothes. I don't get it. I swear they must change like 10 times throughout the day and I don't even see it. Acts of service, okay? Do the dishes, take out the trash, do the laundry. Just do it for the person that you love, not because you love it, because I don't love it. I don't expect Luke to love doing laundry. He doesn't. He hates it just as much as I do. But somebody has to do the laundry, otherwise our family's going around naked. And that's really not acceptable. So, receiving gifts is another one. This one is, our, is big with our kids. 
and I think because of the stage of life that they're in and some of the influences that they've had. But my kids get in the car every day and say, Mommy, did you give me a surprise today? <laughs> Probably because I spoil them much to the dismay of my husband on a regular basis. And anytime I go to the store, I'll usually get them something small. It shows them that I love them. But I try very hard not to replace my presence with gifts. Okay? Don't do that instead of loving them. But they love getting little things. And it's a dollar. Went to the Dollar Tree and got one of those little uh, dancy solar-powered things. Isabel loves it. It's a dollar. She loves it. Next one is quality time. Hear me. Quality, not quantity. Okay? The amount of time that you spend with somebody is not necessarily what matters. The quality of that time matters. <clears throat> so Luke and I like to play games, board games. Card games, not those kind of games. <laughs> or we'll watch Netflix. If we play a board game, that is more quality time to me than sitting on the couch and watching Netflix. Yeah, we had an hour together on the couch where we watched one of our favorite shows, but with the board game or the card game, we're talking, we're going back and forth, we're, we're encouraging each other, we're loving on each other in a way that is significant to us. So quality time over quantity time, and no cell phones. Put them down, tablets, cell phones, whatever they are, put them away. Quality, not quantity. And the last one is physical touch. Again, it's not my favorite. It's probably the bottom of my, this might actually be my, my order here. I may have put them in that order unintentionally. Physical touch is not my thing. My kids love it, Luke loves it. <sighs> yeah, hugs all the time. My kids get hugs all the time. Love, pat on the head, play with their hair, do something that shows you, shows them that you love them. Because it matters to them. It matters that you're taking that time to give them a hug, to encourage them, to love on them. So to wrap all of this up, do all the things that I told you to do and you'll be fine. <laughs> really though, rely on God. To get out of the craziness, the stressfulness, the stuff that we deal with every day, we have to trust God with our lives. He has to be the center. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus and we have to let the Holy Spirit flow through us freely. If you can do those three things, you're good to go. Thank you guys. We're gonna go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, what a day. This is an amazing, remarkable day where we are reminded to love on the women in our lives in a way that is meaningful to them. Help us to overcome the stresses and the chaos of our daily lives and remember you in everything that we do. Help us to love one another, to be kind and graceful to each other, and to remember to have that joy every day. You are an amazing father and we love you so much. Thank you for everything that you've done for us.
and everything that you will continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name.